If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. So, welcome back. It's been only about a week or so. There's been four games since then, and we've gone from absolutely hating football to being absolutely helplessly in love with it again in the space of a very short uh, period of time. So it's Four Blades in a Pub and I'm John and I'm joined by Ian. Good evening everyone. I'm joined by Philip. Hello. And I'm boy. <laughs> Hi Phil. <laughs> and, I'm <Yeah>. jo- <laughs> and I'm joined by Dan who basically I was worried about after the last time we called. So good evening Dan, good to see you in good health. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> You've been holding that all day, haven't you? <laughs> He's been sat on that one since uh, <laughs> since ten to eight last night. What a win last night, chaps! What a win last ch- last night, Ian. What's your thoughts on the game and generally what that means going forward? Um, I think I think it's a real statement. You know, I think. I got annoyed last night when I flicked over at the end of the match to hear Letitia say, "Oh, it deserved to finish nil nil." He was playing down what was actually, I thought, a really fascinating game to watch. Maybe it's because my team were involved, but I thought the way, you know, the, the, the both played through at the back, slightly different midfield and forward line, but I thought the way we nullified Wolves' threats for a large part of that game, and they're always going to create chances a team like Wolves, but I thought the way we nullified and the way we put ourselves about going forward, like we still probably liked a little bit in the final third, but if we could get that bit right, we're a match for let's say, 15, 16 teams in this division, if we can get that front... front we're a match for most teams, aren't we? Play like that, we're a match for most teams. You're not going to beat them all, but you're going to give them a game, aren't you? Absolutely. And that was without our best attacking player, really, last night, as in the one that makes stuff happen wasn't involved at all. And I agree with the final... The final ball was, was off for various reasons, and we can go into that. But like you say, if you compare it to the Arsenal... Uh, Leicester game the night before it was much more of a like I don't want to say a tactical masterclass because it sounds like I'm going up my own arse but it was a bit more of a game of chess between two sides who had a game plan trying to stop each other but wanting to impose themselves as well whereas in our Arsenal and Leicester game was just littered with errors if they were both just going for it it was much, like you say much more interesting what was your take Phil? It's kind of what you just said. I thought it was a fascinating game of football. I was chatting to someone today who said it was boring. He said both teams played well, but it was boring. Now, I, I kind of understand what he means because it wasn't for all, but it was. I thought it was a great game of football to watch. It was fascinating to watch how the two teams set up. Some of the things Wilder said after the game, the way that he played Traore, deliberately sat off him whereas teams have tried to sit close to him and been undone by it so many times this season. I thought Andy Inchcliffe got something right for a change actually during the game as well. But Paul Sharp was perfect because he, as soon as the ball went to Cody, he was cl- closing his space down. So he wasn't allowed to do the, the diagonal balls that he does so often. So th- th- there were so many things, whether, whether that would have happened if McGoldrick could have been fit, I don't know. But there were so many things that Wilder got right 
and and Nuno did as well for to, to, to stop us playing at, at large parts as well. I, was, I just thought it was a brilliant game of football. Yeah, there were some great performances by our players uh, against. It might like Wolves are the side that I look at and I like. I really respect them. I like the players. I don't like to, oh, they're all good, honest lads, but they have the sort of, there's about, there's lots of similarities with our players, like these players that have been there a while from the championship and stuff, and there's some absolute quality. I was just so impressed with the way we defended, in my opinion, the, after Liverpool, the best attacking three. And when I say a three, I mean how they work as a three. Um, and the way we, 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 we were so good at, defending the box and the space and knowing when to go, when to sit. And the big reason for that was the return of Jack, who was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, he was immense yesterday. I know he got man of the match on the telly. Personally, I wouldn't have given it him, but I can see why he got it. I thought he was brilliant. Anyway, we're just a better team with him in it, aren't we? Simple as that. Yeah, like I said, that's no slight on Robinson because Robinson's come in and done really, really well. And under any other circumstances, you'd say... Keep him in the side, but we, it's not like you're just replacing a centre half for a centre half, is it? You, it's you know you're replacing a centre half with a dynamic centre half, which sounds sounds strange, but he's he's completely different to any other centre half in country, isn't he? Yeah, with the but, exception of Batchum. And it's that, that balance it gives us, isn't it? Because for me, last night, Egan looked much more settled with O'Connell alongside him. You know, Egan's. I would say has been patchy at times over the game since we came back. But look at Basham, and that, I think Danny Hall shared a heat map for Basham last night. I mean, Basham yeah. did his job brilliantly defensively, but the heat map was, you know, it virtually it's a destroyed the, the right touchline. Yeah, it's, it's a winger's heat map, that. Yeah. And there's two things which have obviously helped that. The one that you've touched on with O'Connell, but I also think you talk about the triangle on the left-hand side of the pitch you're now starting to see it actually grow between Berger, Baldock and Basham as a three as well. Uh, and I think that there was a few times where, they, and it happened uh, actually in, um, in the last game as well, but you're starting to see that sort of understanding really come together. Like you saw it a lot against Spurs. The chance that McBurney had against Burnley came through that triangle, getting it into McGoldrick. And, I think what we are also starting to see, and we've got to mention him, is the big Norwegian coming into his own. And it doesn't matter where he plays or what he used to be. He can play in that position. And the more we get him on the ball, particularly around the box, and we get better players near him, United are going to... We're going to struggle to keep hold of him. He's that good. He finds space where the, and time where there isn't it. That big Norwegian geezer. <laughs> last night I, I, as, as well as I think you're right pointing out about that, that little threesome that they've got going together but him and Norwood seem to have got an understanding fairly quickly as well and like you're right to say it's exciting he's a, he's a proper player I don't, know was, I don't know if that's coincided with Norwood getting better because obviously Norwood came out of the break looking quite poor um, and Berger was still a little bit as though he was trying to catch up last two or three games as he's come into the game more Norwood's kind of improved as well so, but, and I don't know whether Norwood's brought Berger on or Berger's brought Norwood on I don't know which ones but I, th- I think it's two two quality players rubbing off on each other I mean not obviously that sounds a bit sexual I realise that but I think it's, <laughs> that Randy Rand strikes again that's, that's a terrible sounding phrase isn't it but, um, but I think it is I think you, you, what you've got is Norwood's confidence but he knows he, 
and that's not a, that's no disrespect to Osborne or Lunch or other players, but he's got someone on that side now that he can play the ball to. And like you say, his his ability is the thing that got me last night was the speed of his feet. You know, for a tall guy who's quite languid as he moves around the pitch, his ability to get out of tight situations last night and then free the ball and make the pass. It's the speed of mind and of feet that that belies his, uh, you know, belies the look of him in a way. Are we saying he's got good feet for a big man? Is, are, are we... I'm not going into cliches now. <laughs> in a way, I was like, there's some comparisons to Coots in the sense of he, lots of close control, you can give him the ball and he doesn't give it away. The only time Berger gives the ball away is when he'll try the, in, the impossible pass. Like there was one last night that he poked through to Zinkovic that was just a bit over, over hit and there was one to McBurney in the first half. And they're fractions away from putting a player through on goal. And, he, yeah. and to double back a little bit, but whilst we're talking about the midfield, I think the interesting thing about uh, Osborne is in the same breath as Robinson, I think he's been brilliant, Osborne. However, when Flex back and fit, he has to go back in the team for the same reason O'Connell did. And we saw in the first half, Wolves were having a bit more of a day. Osborne's passing probably wasn't where it needs to be and that's not a slight on him because he's been fantastic he's played 270 minutes in a week when he's not played 90 minutes all season and he you know what I mean and that's a testament to his fitness and his application and stuff but and, and he's not just and he's not just 90 minutes he's tearing about for 90 minutes isn't he? oh yeah, yeah. I mean every, the thing is every, every club has every club has squad players don't they and, and that's just their role. You know, you have some that work their way in and become first-teamers, but you also need players who are going to come in for two, three, four games at a time and drop back out when the first choice is, is back available. And that's... Well, what that's I think what Osborne's done over these last three games is he's now the first-choice replacement for Flag. Yeah. Where, oh, yeah. You would say it had been Luke Freeman. And yeah. Obviously, it's coincided with Freeman being injured as well. But for me, Freeman's almost a spare part now. Yeah. Yeah, Freeman couldn't do the same job as, as Osborne did last night. You wouldn't, you couldn't see Freeman kind of airing all over the pitch and, and closing down and doing. I know it, 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 it kind of doing him a disservice, but almost doing like a ratting job at times. You couldn't see Freeman doing that, could you? No, but that ratting job's equally important, isn't it? In a, in a team oh, when we're going to be playing some bad teams, it, it, that that role, like you say, you couldn't see Freeman doing it. I mean, I think Osborne more so in the previous games showed a bit more than he showed last night in terms of his passing ability, his link-up play, you know. Um, but, yeah, last night was a bit more of a of a, a Harry in the players and, and trying to, you know, win the ball back and move it on. But he's, he's rolling the goal, shouldn't be underestimated. Well, that's what I was about to say, yeah. He got, he's not afraid to go beyond, beyond in, even beyond the strikers. He found himself in the position. I mean, don't know what he quite did. He sort of sliced it in someone's knee and then the keeper tipped it round the post, even though it was going out, but whatever, he got the corner that we got the goal from. But um, Osborne, he's, he's, he's very positive in that sense of, of running beyond the play and stuff. And he, he has been involved like that. I just, when it comes to Freeman, um, I don't suppose we know what's going to happen in the summer. I mean, I'm sure there'll be somebody, we'd certainly get us four million quid back off somebody, I think. But um, what what's interesting about Osborne, I've enjoyed watching is, Apart from Bessic, who didn't play that much, is this the first sort of aggressive, harrying sort of midfielder we've actually had under Wilder? 
do you know, like as somebody who is that box to box and as dynamic at tackling and, and hustling as he is. Because if you think about it, I know Flake does a bit, and Norwood's not scared of a challenge. Well, he didn't used to be. He's starting to nesh him, I think, a little bit. But do you know what I mean? He's, we, I don't think we've had that sort of player with his midfield for ages. I can't think of it. No, I can't. Pinch is quite good at, at getting in amongst people, but he wasn't that box to box. That energy as well. I, what I think would be really good to see, and hopefully we get to experience it sooner rather than later, but I'm not holding my breath, is that sort of energy that a player like that gives the crowd. Do you know, when he goes and wins the ball back yeah. and then it turns the play over and it's like a roar. Um, yeah. I think it would last night as well. Like we'll get to the goal. If if we'd been there crying out loud, and I felt like, and I feel sorry for everybody, just like us four who sit on the cop, that we didn't get to experience that in in real life, because it's it would have been somewhere else. It would have been three rows in front. Sorry, sorry, love. That would have been that would have been the moment at the end of this season. We'd have gone. That was it. That was the... Yeah. It, it, it feels like, it sounds daft, and I know it comes off the back of four points in two games, but it felt like a real turning point. You know, in a game where, if we'd have gone away with a draw, we'd have probably said, we probably felt we edged the second half, but, you know, in a tight game, you take a point against Wolves, you know, you move on. But it, it, it felt like something so much bigger, because that three points now just creates that bunch behind Wolves. You know, got us ahead of Arsenal, hopefully keeps us ahead of Spurs um, after this evening. And we're right in there again. And it, and it the confidence is playing. It, may, it makes Saturday's game huge again. If, if like I say, a point last night, there's still a bit, a bit on Saturday's game, but now it's it's a real, it, it's, a, it's a massive game on Saturday now. Can you imagine back in August, if we'd have said Chelsea three games before end of the season, we really could do with winning it? It wouldn't have been to think that we've got to catch up with them. No, yeah, you'd have been, you know, <laughs> we need to win it to get to 40 points or to 39 points or something. You wouldn't be thinking we were pushing for technically still a Champions League spot. Madness. And, and I think as well, on Saturday, if we win, we've got every fucking right to be excited because the, we we belong in this discussion now. I know after after the break, we were all pretty down on it, as was all players, and rightfully so, down on football generally. We'd had some shit results, we played crap. We've had four points off Wolves. We've had four points off Arsenal. We've had four points off Spurs. Now, how many sides can say that? Now, obviously, we've lost out to City and... And things, but we we apart from City and Liverpool, we've had we we took points off everyone around the top end of the table. So we're well in the discussion, not only because we've beat the crap, which we have beat a lot of the poor teams, apart from as you pointed out today, Phil, Steve Bruce's Newcastle has done the double overs. We're you know we've we've done we've done Norwich twice, but that for me is the most impressive thing that we're doing it by competing with those around us and yeah, yeah th- these games are hard but I said to somebody today it works I don't care that they're hard if we win them we deserve it there'll be no there'll be no doubt if we take points off Chelsea Everton Leicester Southampton in the form they're in we'll deserve to be in in a European spot and it's so bloody exciting again and if you go back 10 days I could have switched it off till end of season and not been asked, but now I can't wait for Saturday. I, I'm still, I'm still struggling with it. It's like you say that 
that bit about being there and experiencing it. I mean, um, my my family were on a call upstairs to the in-laws in Worcester, and they could they heard the shout. I don't know if they heard it on WhatsApp through the WhatsApp call. I actually, heard it physically in Worcester <laughs> the, as I shot up off the sofa. But it is. It's still like I'm still I'm still struggling with that side of it. I'll be honest. It, it, I'm loving it. I'm enjoy, but I'm not enjoying having to sit and watch it the way we are. It's not the same now. You still watch yeah. Are you watching it with commentary? With just the commentary? Or watching it with the crowd noise? Crowd noise. I've turned, I've turned crowd noise off. Oh yeah. Because he was just. I prefer, I prefer it the crowd noise to not. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've turned the crowd noise back on. So I watched a couple without, and then I've turned it back on, and they seem to have got it. The first, like I said, the first time I watched it, I thought the crowd noise was shocking. Now they seem to have got it a bit more, uh, a bit more realistic, shall we say? Yeah. I, I just think it helps me get more in the zone of watching football. I know that sounds like really weird, and it's you watch with your eyes, not your ears. But like, if not, it's a bit like when you when you go to the pub to watch a game, and all you do is talk all the way through the match and get pissed. You're not really bothered about what's what's going on, but it's an excuse to be in the boozer. But that game last night. I think you can look on Twitter today and last night and it's just a bloody amazing feeling again. And and I'm so happy that Egan has finally started putting some of these headers that he wins in the box away. And that was, there was no stopping that. It was, it was, as, it was nearly as, if it had hit the bar and gone in, it'd be as good as the O'Connell one against Ipswich. <laughs> Not quite as happy as that kid that's won 1,500 quid in uh, four days on Egan. Yeah, because he's dog. Yeah, this he had him. I think he had him. He had him goal. next goal against Burnley and first goal against Wolves. He's won just under fifteen hundred quid. Jeez, Bob called Egan, isn't it? It was picking yeah. it up today. Picked it up today, yeah. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to uh, end the section on Wolves, boys. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. And uh, Dan's going to introduce us to the section on what's been the difference in the last couple of games. See you in a minute. Welcome back to part two, everyone. Um, just want to try and pick up on what we think's changed in the last in the last ten days, really. Um, not just in terms of results, but in terms of performances. Um, so, John, thoughts on what's been the what's been the catalyst for seven points out of three games? I think it comes down to two things, which sort of came came fruition at the same time. It's Danny Sabellos's Sabellos, however you say it's goal, combined with. Osborne, Robinson, et al. actually getting games under, and Berger, I'll probably put in that mix, and McBurney finally getting a run of games where he's not been out of the team, and a little bit of consistency, and that, that almost sucker punch in the Arsenal game, which, you know, if we had gone to extra time, I think we would have won. Combined with some of these players getting everyone's fitness coming up, but players just being comfortable in the system. And, like, I think Jack Robinson, his stats in, I think it was the Spurs game, were phenomenal. He was like, he, like he won everything. And we've got there a really, really good backup centre-back. And I hope he has to be a backup centre-back. Because if anyone who watched O'Connell last night, he'd, go, he'd walk into that Spurs side. He'd walk into Arsenal. He'd, we know how good he is. We don't According need to, to Tim Sherwood. 
According to Tim Sherwood, not one of our players gets in Spurs side. Tim Sherwood like gilets, loose women, and cocaine. So what does he know about anything? Yeah, I'm gonna say in fairness, I like two out of three, so <laughs> I'm assuming that there's no uh, no backing that up and it's just a, a spurious accusation. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was merely a joke. I actually quite liked Sherwood when he was manager of clubs. He used to make me piss myself because all that he was he was brilliant. You could just watch him for ninety minutes. But I think it was the sucker punch against Arsenal combined with players being flooded into the side. I don't know if you boys agree with me. I think um, yeah, I think we could we could talk all day about what's changed. But I think one one thing that's been evident is some of our better players are playing better. Stevens has picked it up a bit. Baldock's looking more involved. Basham's getting forward more. Norwood looks a better player. It's just that those players, and obviously last night O'Connell being back as well, they're so important to the way that we play. And when they're off, generally we're off. But when all of them are off together, it just it, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's 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 the size of club we are, aren't it? I mean, if you know, if if Man City or Liverpool have two or three of their star players out, they can invariably bring full internationals into the side and and. All right, it might storm a bit, but they don't really. It doesn't have that much of an effect. Where a club our size, with our sort of squad, and we are bringing what, in some cases, are top end Championship players rather than Premier League players in three or four of them, it's going to have an effect, isn't it? Robinson couldn't even get in for his team when we brought him in. Could he? This, this, uh, this is what baffles me. And I don't know if it's Wilder that's some sort of fucking mad alchemist, but he can take players who aren't. Who aren't even getting in bang average championship sides and get them to slot into a Premier League side, get them to slot into a, a, a high performing Premier League side without kind of, you know, without breaking stride. I'm not, I'm really not sure how he does it. I'm just loving the phrase mad alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> that just got me that good and proper. That'll be the next Shoreham Street Magnifique T-shirt. <laughs> the alchemist. Pretty wild and mad alchemist. But do, do you know what I mean? You know, you, you take someone like Dids, who, like he says today in that interview, the phone wasn't ringing and he was geared up to play in League One. And he's now bossing it in the Premier League. And he, when he plays, he genuinely is bossing it. He's not, you know, he's not someone who's having to play at absolute, uh, he's, you know, at full tilt just to keep up. You know, it looks like he's got all time at world. It's just, I think it was the Arsenal game. His stats, McGoldrick's stats were tremendous. I, I did a debate with someone on Twitter who was saying that McGoldrick was awful. He gave the ball away too much. This, that, and I pulled, I think it was United's Twitter feed or Facebook shared gold McGoldrick's stats. I posted that back. I never heard anything again. I mean, McGoldrick, I mean, I was worried going into last night because I thought the loss of McGoldrick mm. was a, a big concern. Well, it did look quite impotent up front, in my opinion. It did. And I think Billy Sharp could have renamed Billy Sharp offside last night, because I think the number of times he just didn't... I mean, his finish when he got the goal was fantastic. Just his timing of his runs was just wasn't there. But for me... It was more with the two lads on his second half that I just... I never thought anything was going to happen. I, I, didn't, thought, I, um, I thought Zivkovic looked quite dangerous when he came on. I thought, at first, I thought they both. I thought Zivkovic looked dangerous. I thought Moose again in, in patches. He's he, he kind of has you at your seat and tearing your out in equal measure, doesn't he? Absolutely, yeah. and it'd be dominoes too for Tuesday, on it. So Wednesdays are always difficult for Moose. But like, I mean, Wilder said it right today that Moose has got to show more. I was reading earlier today, Wilder said that you know Moose has got to show that he wants it more. And he's not there yet. 
Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the key for him having a future. And I think it's right. I think, you, you know, I, I still think when we've used Dipkovic a couple of times off the bench, we've probably not made the best of his pace and we've seen glimpses of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing for me, and, it, and it's a bit of a cliche, what, what's changed? We, we are slow starters after the international break. We generally struggle to get that match. We need a match or so to get back up to speed. And it does feel like that a little bit, that disruption with the O'Connell injury. And like you say, you having, and with Fleck not, clearly not being fully fit as well, you're, you're blooding players, new players into the, into the squad at the same time. But I think oh, so at Villa Park, and we've been playing a really intense period of matches. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair comment, Ian, completely, that it's it's getting up to speed. One thing that has been, for me, not so much last night, but I did think he worked his bollocks off, as Wilder said himself in his first match interview, uh, but we've not had a pod for a bit. The McBurney performance against Spurs was everything that I wanted him to do all season. And if he if he's able to do that in three or four games a season and chip in with some other goals, we've got a right player. He was unplayable like that. And I think that sort of bustling style, I mean, I think people would take it a lot more seriously if he didn't have his shorts so high and his socks down low. I think it makes people look at him and think, you know, he's a bit of a bit soft. He doesn't want to get involved in that. Whereas he couldn't be further from truth. He actually enjoys the he enjoys the rough and tumble side of things. Well, and I that works in our favour. If opposition centre-halves have come, you know, if, if, if they have that same perception that this kid don't fancy it and he looks a bit you know Johnny a bit like Shaggy off Scooby Doo then <laughs> that that Johnny knew he'd been in the game yesterday didn't he? He smashed Johnny in the back of back of the head quite early on. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of good performances from players in the last couple of games but I think it's just generally the consistency and, and obviously the new lads fired in the feet. And when your best when your best player, your record signing starts to show why your club's broke a transfer record on him, it tends to help as well. And Berger is we touched on it before. He, he what did Luke say in the group chat? He's absolutely purring. And I yeah. think that's a great way of putting it. Because it's just it's effortless. I, I think there'll be some I think there'll be some big clubs who are possibly kicking themselves that they didn't get him at twenty two million if he carries on for the rest of the season or the next season. And I think, like I said to you, Ian, last night, I think come this time next year, if he carries on in this vein, we'll be, we'll be fielding some, some, you know, some big offers from some big clubs. How long did he get? Can you remember? Oh, it's massive. It's four and a half years. Four and a half from January. We are protected. And he he seems to love it as well, doesn't he? Although... Yeah, he seems to have bought into it really quickly, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I thought the interview was interesting because he was saying that he he's used he was used to playing that deeper role in a side that was had some of the best possession and attacking stats in Belgian football. So actually, his work rate has had to step up so much, and his fitness has had to step up so much coming to United because we're playing in a different way and he's being deployed in a different role. And I think, like you said before, about getting these players up to speed, everyone goes, well, he's 20... I've heard it said at the time, you know, he's 22 million, he should just, you know, he should just be able to turn up and play. He's adjusting to a, a different league, different style of play and a different a different team setup, you know, completely. And he said it's, it's been a real... He's, he's learned a lot, but he's had to really work on that fitness level and understand his fitness and what he's expected from him in that role. Well, look at the side. 
And the only player that's played himself into when they're all fit being a guaranteed starter, despite us getting promoted to the Premier League and spending quite a big wedge, is McBurney. So the fact that he's managed to play himself into the side tells you everything about how good he is. Because when we signed Luke Freeman, we would have all had him down as playing number 10 and replacing Duffy and playing every game. We would Deep down, we probably thought Jags had played more than he has, probably played instead of Basham, if we were having to like protect Leeds and stuff. When you buy Mousse for £12 million, Robinson for all this money, would have had those as being, by the end of the season, established themselves in, in the first team. And they haven't because of the players that we had last season have been so good and kicked on. And the fact that Berger, I know it's maybe a little bit of luck that Lundstrom dislocated the shoulder so he gets a bigger run in these last couple of weeks, but he's played himself now into being one of the first names on the team sheet. And you can tell in the interview, as you said last night, tell them the big Norwegian geese, while they're absolutely loves him. Well, there's an interview last night. If you've not seen it, it's brilliant. Oh, he's, 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 he's on cloud nine. It's amazing. It's, Egan walks past him and it's where he says, uh, well done, pal, that's two. You need another eight now. It's only Chelsea. <laughs> it's only Chelsea on Saturday. <laughs> you can tell your two mates as well. You've got two more and then they need to do something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you say, Burgers brought into that as well. You know, in the interviews, it's, it's clearly he's a young, quite reserved kind of lad. Saying lad, Christ, yeah, I probably am old enough to be his dad. Jesus, um, <laughs> quite, you know. You are. Yeah. Did you ever go to Norway Ian, in the uh, in, <laughs> in the nineties? No comment, my lord. Um, but um, you know, he's a young lad, and he's like you say, he's finding his way in a new country, new new way of playing. But he's fitted in. He he gets he gets the club. He gets the culture. And he's and he's enveloped by that culture, and that and that is a, I mean that's just Wilder, isn't it? that's what Wilder's created at United, and the players, the senior players, he's got in there like Sharp, bringing Jagielka back. I suspect has had a, a, a massive influence behind the scenes. That, like you say, probably not got the games he thought he might have got, but he's certainly he's someone who's building up and you know building that United, just a United club, isn't it? Yeah, and when you hear Sander Berger and he's very, very, very polite, English, Scandinavian, it's not the Sheffield United way. You just think it's the sexiest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> I do, anyway. <laughs> just wait till he's talking with a broad Sheffield accent, like yeah. Jan Morby when he translated to a, a Scouse accent. <laughs> well, Roger Nielsen had a Sheffield twang, didn't he, by the time he left? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, been, it's brilliant, and what is good is... Long talked about in it, like how fickle football fans are, and even the most committed of fans, such as the cells, and kicking themselves despite only losing a couple of get drawing one and losing two games in the Premier League, losing to Man United, and they're having face on about it. And it's just brilliant to, that in the space. One of the good things, I suppose, about the relentless schedule is we're over that now, and we're actually excited about it again. It's it's ace. I know football isn't the same, Ian, and you're still struggling with it. And I agree. I don't really like watching a game at six o'clock. There's no sort of like anticipation of then like you know settling down to watch a match or whatever. Yeah. It is what it is, and it hopefully next season, even if we're not allowed back, there's a bit more consistency to the fixture schedule. We could at least hope. But it's just it's just been brilliant to see United playing well again and. The fact that we're talking about Berger and these like sound bites and wilder interviews, it feels much more like the majority of the last um, 
last four years yeah. than the, than the little blip. Like I said last night on Twitter, within the space of eight days, I've gone from being really, really not looking forward, not, not looking forward to it, but being really nervous about next season, thinking, shit, you know, have we, have we kind of, have we topped out here? Three games later, I'm unbelievably excited about next season because we'll obviously add, we'll add players, you know, we'll add bits and bobs of quality. I'm really excited about next season. I think we've got a, you know, we've got another good season to look forward to. There's no reason why we shouldn't feel like we belong again. It's funny how yeah. football changes. Like and we've had that, dare I say, maybe we've had a second season syndrome. Like you said down the other week, maybe it's gone, done, move on. But we've got a big game on Saturday to talk about next, don't we? trainers John what these no mate I've had them for years just got them back from being clean look really good don't they yeah really is that a thing honestly they look new mate they look class yeah it's a thing really reasonable too Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks they're in Sheffield Fe- fellas are blade too oh nice one that saves buying new ones doesn't it how do I find them I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself absolutely save me someone who's got a bit of a trader for hate an absolute fortune you can get them on social media like most things these days they're on twitter at glistening kicks and instagram at glistening underscore kicks or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them around yourself that process could be even quicker um they look feel and smell like new and it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. <laughs> Uh, and welcome back as we uh, enter the uh, second half of the pod in part three. Uh, I think we, we tend to make uh, better points in the second half of the pod. You know, we tend to pick up the quality of our offering. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll keep that form up this time and uh, maybe not do a Wolves. Anyway, moving on from uh, last night's game, um, we'll move on to Saturday and uh, the visit of Chelsea now. I, I was fortunate enough to go down to Stamford Bridge early on this season to watch the game down there where I thought we put up a really good performance over the 90 minutes. We're unlucky to be behind some silly mistakes, but deservedly got a point at the end. And from my perspective, I don't see it being that much different on Saturday. What do you think, John? Um, Chelsea, Chelsea are weird because on the day, they've got players, as we've long said on here, as, as Dan, Dan often says, will take the game away from you. Uh, I'm a bit nervous about the form of Pulisic and I'm a bit nervous about the form of William. They're both on absolute fire and they're the sort of players that we struggle to deal with. Um, it depends. I think the game will be won in central midfield. Uh, I think we've got more about us in that area in terms of getting up in the face. And if we stop them playing, then I think we've got every chance of getting something. I didn't go to Stamford Bridge. I was um, at a music festival having a drink but um, 
I want, obviously, I've sort of extended highlights that game and I've watched Chelsea plenty this season to know there is something in it for us. And I think their keeper is one of the weakest links in that side. And I think yeah. if we get plenty of shots off, we can have some joy on Saturday. I, I, I would agree. I don't, I don't, think, uh, I don't think their keeper is brilliant any, by any stretch. Um, and I agree with what you say about the game being won in central midfield. Now, I've seen today that young lad from them, Billy Gilmore, he's out for the season, I think. Um, I think Kante's touch and go. Kovacic, I think, is there or thereabouts. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure else they're going to have it middle of mid, middle of part. But I agree. I think if whether Flex back or whether it's Osborne again, I think we've got a chance of, of really getting in around them and causing them. I, I don't think, like I said, Chelsea are one of the teams. I don't think they like teams who who get in the face and front them up and actually, you know, impress them and harry them. And I think that's that's what we do well. So I think it's it's set up for us to, to cause them some problems on Saturday. I mean, I I I don't I think Barkley is he he blows more in he blows more hot and cold than a cheap air dryer. Like he, these parts of his game which are stunning, and then he just goes missing. Jorginho I actually think is quite a decent player, but I also think he'd have, I think he'd, he'd he'd hate playing against us. But like Gilmore's out, we we managed to deal with Mason Mount in two games last season. I thought against. But uh, I don't know. It's I think we can. I think we can create chances. It worries me that Abraham's almost been a bit quiet for a while because I think he always looks really lethal against us, and I'm always blown away by how bloody tall he is. But anyway, it's a, don't know why I've told you all that. But there you go. <laughs> I mean, Jorginho played in that game down at Stamford Bridge, and for me, we we coped. Absolutely fine, and I think he he struggled more with us that day. I mean, the midfield that day was Barkley, Kovacic, Jorginho, and Barkley and Kovacic both came off. You know, I think, like you say, I think Pulisic played that day as well. Mount played that day. So, it, looking back, it was it was a, it was as strong as Chelsea side as we could perhaps face. You could probably argue Kante being in there would have been the difference. But again, I, I don't really rate their back line. I think with the right play and the interchange, we can get in behind them. Well, I know Lampard, his time at Derby and since he's been at Chelsea, he does favour this, he favours quite a high line. Uh, and I know we won't start him, but it, it, it would be a, a, you know, it would be a good opportunity for someone like Zivkovic. He might get on with, with half an hour to go, but if, if they're insisting on playing a high line, it's made for him to, to kind of run in behind with his pace. It wouldn't surprise me if we started one of Zivkovic and or um, Moussa, you know. You think... Yeah, I mean, Moussa caused them massive problems down there. Like say, for that reason, for the high line. And with um, McBurney going off, he came off because he was tired last night, didn't he? It might be the opportunity to let him have a, a little bit of a longer rest and start somebody else on Saturday. Is yeah, it possible? What, eight games in 24 days it'll be, or something ridiculous like that. It's insane. It's only like end of a Sunday league season, what's up with him? <laughs> I mean, I I think the back I think the back four there's some good players in there. Obviously, Aspilicueta is brilliant. I think Rudiger's really good. Christiansen not so struck of, and um, Zuma's always got one in him. I think Alonso offensively is a good player. He's not a defend defensive left back though, but he's he's getting the shots in at Aspilicueta, not Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta. That's our problem. We don't shoot. Yeah, and getting shots off at him because he loves spilling one or going for a walk or whatever other stuff he does. He might get distracted by like someone in Gramelain and talking to him or something if we're lucky. But I think there's something for us in the game. 
if Palace can put two goals, what a goal by Zahar, by the way, but if Palace can put two goals past him, I think we can put some goals past him. I do think they'll, it'll be both teams to score, but it's it's who, who deals with their defensive responsibilities better than the other, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> You've got to fancy having shots and then getting at them. Um, I just... It, they... They just they can create something out of nothing, like we said about the clubs that are up there. They, they've got the ability to do something with with players like Mount, players like Abraham, um, Pulisic. They can they can do something out of nothing. But I just think we've got enough, uh, like you say, to either give them a bit of a battering at the back, give them a hard game with McBurney up there at the start, even Sharp if he's fit, and just keep keep using him and and. and pushing into the central defenders and then utilise the pace off the bench if we need to later on if it's not, not working. But if we can get we, get, we get in around the box a lot, but we'd like you say, we're not taking the shots. And with the players we've got who can hit strike a ball, that's the frustration a little bit. And, and like you say, Saturday's the time to do it. Yeah, I think Chelsea are a funny one. They're probably one of the more impressive posts lockdown sides really because I don't think they were too much fancy to, to really kick on and they have done but I'm going to stick my neck out and say um, 2-1 United on Saturday I'm in optimism I know where's that come from <laughs> I'll agree I'll agree with you John uh, I had 2-1 United in my head as well so I'll, 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 make, I'll make that 3 I'm just going to book the trend and say I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be one, one, two, two, something like that. The black sheep of the pod, Phil Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. Yeah, but uh, I, th- I think it, I mean a point would be great. A win. I tell you what, I'm going to be very giddy indeed about this European trip that I can't go on. Um, we want to have a have a guess at what a team's going to be. Any any difference from last night? I think we'll start the same side. Yeah. Like you say, I think if there's any changes to be made, they'll be, it'll be up front. Like I said, whether McBurney needs a rest and whether he just fancies giving Moose or, or someone a run. But I, I would imagine the rest of the side, I think even if Flex fit, I'm not sure who's going to be fit enough to start, is he? So he might... I think you know, put him on the bench if he's fit. He might, he might get on bench. But um, yeah, I'd be surprised if there's any uh, any changes made other than that. I know he did, he, did make, he did drop a couple of hints about possibly Rodwell coming in for Basham last week, didn't he? But... I just I don't see it unless Basham's injured and physically can't play. I, I, I don't see him dropping out. I think I think that were wild. Last night, so I think the Rodwell thing, the comp having it's been the first time he's been on the league, and then saying nice things about him is almost a bit of. I'll say a few nice things about you, Jack. You've come in, you've trained really hard, you've done a job for us. But there's a reason he's on the release list. Imagine, imagine three summers ago. So we've just come out of League One saying Chris Basham's undroppable in the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) Undroppable for a top 10 team in the Premier League. That's why when they build the Wilder Sharp and Sharp statues, they build the Basham one next to it. It has to happen. He's lived through the shite in League One and he's come out the other side. And some of his defending last night, there was one bit where I think it was on was it on Jota where he just completely used his body perfectly? It was like almost he wouldn't have been able to do that if he'd not played in the rugby games in League One. He's just 
He complimented. He's second in the Premier League for interceptions. Insane. Mm. And that's that goes against the whole idea of it's you know he doesn't actually think like you don't intercept the ball if you haven't got a football brain because that's how it works. You have to read the game and yeah, yeah, it, it's oh, it's phenomenal. It, it like and those is another one that's back to the levels we've come to expect, and I think we're a better side for it. But yeah, Saturday, three of us want to win. Well, four of us want to win. Three of us think we'll get a win, and uh, <laughs> and Phillips. Uh, Phillips being a bit more sensible, I probably say, but let's enjoy this excitement because, my God, going back to after that Man United game, dark days. <laughs> Part four, um, usually at this time of year, they'd be rife. Uh, and it seems weird that there's still four games of the season going, but play- some clubs are signing players and we're starting to see some transfer rumours. So there's been a few big ones this week. One that seems genuinely quite strong. I was blown away at the price. And one that could be some spotty teenager getting Photoshop for his 15th birthday. But what do we reckon to some of the rumours we've heard so far, Phil? Well, I think the one that you said that seems a bit strong is probably Todd Cantwell that you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think 10 million is anywhere near what he'd go for. I think he'd be worth double at least. I reckon, yeah, you can add at least 10, 15 million onto that, I reckon. Yeah, and the other one, Gilfie Sigurdsson, I won't touch him with a barge pole. He's not our kind of player in any way whatsoever, I don't think. I mean, Cantwell... I would happily spend 20, 25 million quid on a, a young English player who's done bits in the Premier League. He's positive. He drives forward with the ball. I'd be really excited if we signed somebody like him and I'd be all over it. Sigurdsson, if we were a side who need... Every side needs a match winner. But if we were a side who would... Remember when he was at Swansea and he was scoring the free kicks and things to, to get them points to keep them in the league? I think you'd need to look for a player like that if you're able to get him. In terms of how we'd want to play, I think he'd end up being an expensive luxury. It's the other stuff that he doesn't do. That's why I don't think he's our kind of player. We need Berger's a Rolls Royce for a player the way he plays, but he can put his foot in and he can muck in as well. Whereas Sigurdsson, there were a, there were a, um, a part the other day where he let one of the Spurs players just walk past him and yeah. don't be wrong I know Norwood did that for the Arsenal goal the other day but Sigurdsson seems to do that a lot he, he's just he's a big moment player and not a lot else I, I, I kind of described him on Twitter the other day as a highlights player so when you watch match of the day it's a couple of good free kicks and a couple of good 30 yard passes and a, you know a, scores a worldie every so often but if you watch him week in week out for 90 minutes I don't think he actually doesn't contribute that much to to a game as, it, as it's kind of going on. Uh, and like you say, he's on, he's going to be on the thick end of 100 grand a week at Everton, surely. That's what they reckon, yeah. yeah. He's, a kind of, he's a kind of player who will pick up you with his goals, he'll pick up your points in the fantasy football and you think, God, and you probably get a, a more positive view of his contribution than you would otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Campwell, definitely for me. I mean, you know, I think he'd, I think he'd fit in well at United. He'd, 
is what we need. We, we do need that little bit of something. Like I said, someone who can pick the ball up and drive at people. I know Fleck does that, but we've not really got anyone else who does that. Um, he's kind of a wilder kind of player, isn't he? he? I've always thought that when I've seen him play. He, he's the sort of player wilder likes. He can do a bit of everything. He's a bit nasty as well. He just, I think... Well, he's, he's a bit of a bellend, isn't he? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's what you said about the, when McBurney were interviewed in the 24 hours real with McBurney, which if you've never watched is the best 20 minutes on YouTube. Bro. You've got to come around, look at this. But <laughs> he said something about he'd had an argument with Wilder and someone had said to him, well, that's why he wants to sign you. Yeah. He, that's what he loves about you. He, that's why he wants you, because you've argued with him. And I can imagine Campwell, he... It's somebody who'd shoot from the edge of the box as well. Like the goal against Man United in, was it the FA Cup quarter-final, the act, where Cantwell equalised, didn't he? Mm. To be fair, Maguire turned round and showed him his back. Just the shots like that from the edge of the box, we've long said we've been missing that, haven't we? But, but is, that, is that something that we're not doing because it's direction? As in, we want to get that, we're trying to create that better quality chance sometimes and not taking those shots. I, th- I think Cantwell for me at the price they quoted if it's that price I'd be amazed but it's a must have if the price goes up and you start to qu- I'd question the value of that and you're looking for someone then to try and fit into our role you know into our team and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if there aren't better better options out what there what do you think the ceiling is on him Ian? I don't I do I, I think he's a talented footballer and I think there's something there. I still think there's a kind of rawness and naivety about him. And you're taking a gamble on that continued development. I I think for us, realistically, we aren't going to spend more than 20, 25 million on him because I don't think we're going to have a big transfer budget this summer. So I, and so when I hear 10 million, I'm thinking that seems incredibly cheap for a player who's made such a positive impact in a struggling side in the Premier League. They're supposedly put 50 million on Aaron's, haven't they? I mean, if you hmm. put 50 million on Aaron's, what, it just doesn't come and- and fifty million on Godfrey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems, if Godfrey's worth fifty million, O'Connell's worth hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like Godfrey; I think he's a decent player. But he's in a side that shipped all them goals. It's like when you talk about Ake going to City. I, it don't, it don't, it don't compute, uh, compute for me that like you've got some. Unless Campbell's got some sort of clause in his contract that says if they go down, he can go for a you know pre-agreed fee like we had with Jagielka when he went down. No way they're letting him go for 10. Yeah. 10, gets, 10 gets you not a lot these days, does it really? Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's my point, I guess. It's just with the pressure on the transfer budget, if the price is higher, are we going to be using, is Wilder going to have to shop slightly differently? And that'll be that'll be an interesting thing, really, because obviously we'll get by we finish, we'll make a, a few more, but it's it's you know single figure millions add-ons, isn't it, per league place? Um, yeah, it's it'd be yeah. So it's it just interesting because I, I think, like you say, in, in in given the price quote now, yeah, I think as the price goes up, I think there's going to be is he is he going to go for someone with less. Uh, Let's say someone a bit more experienced, maybe a, a step below, but he thinks he'll, he'll slot in quicker and, and, and fit in quicker. Hmm. I mean, I think there might be a bit of wheeling and dealing. That's probably the wrong phrase, done in the summer. You know, I think there might be a couple of players like like your Luke Freeman, possibly, possibly even Callum Robinson if West Brom come up and we can get his money back. 
you know, if West Brom yeah. offered the money back from what, what, what we paid for him, you know, you could probably raise 10, 11, 12 million there just with them two, couldn't you? Well, and Robinson's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's done all right at West Brom. He's got some favourable comments from his from their fans. He scored some goals, but you know, there's times where I've watched him and thought there's still that element of naivety there. Maybe he could be a mate with Norwich going down. Or Freeman for that. The only thing, what's interesting about Norwich, if you know, someone stumps up for God, Godfrey, someone stumps up for Aaron's, there's rumours people want Wendia as well. Campwell goes, you've just stripped the heart of their side out. You took the four best players. And I don't know how that works with the uh, the infamous Mori- uh, Norwich, Norwich model, Dan. You know, they're doing it the right way more than we are. What did they say they wanted to be? One of the top... Did they said 26 teams. They want to be in the top 26 in the country, didn't they? Which basically means they want to be a yo-yo team. Their model is to be a yo-yo team. Madness. What about um, some of the players that are here but looking like being released that that could change between now and the end of the season? I'm thinking like Rodwell came on the other day. Jagielka, could he maybe get an extension? Any of the others, possibly? I mean, Kieran Freeman's been on the pitch probably a lot more than he would have normally. I, I think a lot of that depends on when the definitive list comes out at the end of the season, who's coming and going from other clubs, I suppose. Because I would imagine Rodwell, Jagielka and Freeman at the minute are just, they're just here out of necessity. I, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if any of them got anything past the end of the season. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the only one that might happen, and that would be, it depends if he wants to play or not, is Jags. If there's some sort of, uh, I can be registered, but I want to I want to be part of the setup here and things like that. I mean, you've got a, he's captain England. If you can keep somebody like that around the dressing room, it's not a bad thing. But I think there'll be a lot of, as we talked about before, uh, I think there'll be a lot of freshening up in the summer uh, and injecting not so necessarily new ideas, just players to push the first team more and that if like we heaven forbid we were in a second spike in the middle of the next season and we had to be a break again and we had to play games in a similar fashion where they're all cramped in um i think our squad although we've actually kicked on in the last couple of games i think the weaknesses have been shown like the fact that we've not really had midfield i know we had lundstrom on the bench last night but we've We've lost, we've lost Freeman, we've lost Fleck, and then we lost Lundstrom, but we had no one else. Now, I know six central midfielders you'd expect to be enough, but it just shows when injuries pile up what you need to do. So, with all these transfer rumours, is, is there like a fantasy player he, everyone's got that is realistic? I mean, I'm not saying Ronaldo or Messi, but that they'd like to see us go for. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the rumours are he's going to Chelsea, but um, uh, the lad from Brentford, uh, Ben Rama. Quality player. I think he'd, he'd, he'd either him, yeah, possibly him. I still think Calvin Phillips at Leeds would be, if Leeds, again, if wheels fall off there, I think we might be in for him. I think there might be a shot of getting him in if they don't make it. Unfortunately, I think Leeds' Leeds's wheels are staying firmly on given the result tonight, but I think you're right. Calvin Phillips would have been a tremendous signing. Ben Rama, I bet with Chelsea saying 30 million for him. Yeah, I'm sure. I've, done, I've not seen figures, but I've seen that he might be going to, uh, he might be going to Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, the other question then is, do you, look, do you look elsewhere at Brentford if they don't come up 
you know, their, their model is, is playing a side on. There's Watkins. Um, forgot the other guy in midfield now. Um, can't uh, can't, can't he? Uh, but gone from Ed now. But you know, I think Brentford's. A, a, if we if if we're in a if we're in a an, an idea where we're shopping in the Championship, then Brentford's a, a club I'd be looking at. How much do you think Bournemouth has for Callum Wilson if they go down? You think he comes on our budget? Uh, if Brentford, if, sorry, if Bournemouth go down, I was thinking more like Josh King. I think King or Wilson, you're looking at 30 million as a start on either of them. Um, and Bournemouth, Bournemouth, interesting one because like there's a serious amount of assets in that squad to be uh, to be stripped. I only watched like most of the first half before we came on. But I, how has Lewis Cook been playing? Not the, the other Steve Cook been playing centre half, and that that young kid that they signed from Bristol City is it the silver or? Oh right! See, he looks brilliant. Like he actually looks like a centre half, unlike Cook, who looks like he's just finished twelve-hour sh- uh, shift. Time I keep Beltwood, and he's just turned up for training. Sorry, Gaff Ramblay. Boss has been like busting me balls, you know. Like I don't know. I think I think King King for me fell over Wilson as well, just because Wilson's a bit got a dodgy injury record, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, there's a couple of bad knee injuries, Wilson, hasn't but if you look at who else is going down then I mean you know Norwich going down we kind of touched on with, with Cantwell actually a player like Buendia might be as good a shout as Cantwell yeah. from that Norwich side for me yeah. to look at um, and it really depends who else is going down Villa would I take anyone from Villa they're all on I mean Villa they're all on massive wages aren't they yeah I mean we'll take Relish to back up to Fleck maybe <laughs> The fact that apparently Villa value him at 80 million quid is one of the most outrageous things I have read in my entire life today. Mings has cover for Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Third choice left centre half. (laughs) I think Mings and English, uh, English, Grealish, will have plenty of suitors because they're English and they're relatively young. Um, So I don't know. For me, a, a player. I'd like us to try to add some genuine flair. And I only watched about 20 minutes. I can't really play it for that. I watched Eze. I watched a bit of QPR and I'd love us to go for Eze. He's yeah. only 22 still and he could end up being one of these more attacking midfielders who ends up playing up front. And I just, he's free kicks, step overs, he's one of these, shoulders going to go, you don't know what he's going to do. He'd have that excitement in Mousse, but he'd actually deliver a bit more. I um, think he's a little bit more in the McGoldrick mold, mold as well, and that is where we need McGoldrick being replaced is going to be one of Wilder's hardest challenges. Absolutely, as he, as he comes from deep, so comes deep to collect the balls and he connects play. For from what I've seen of QPR when I watched the bit of their games on Sky, he's not just that. Like you say, he's not just that out and out scorer. He he, he roams, and that's what McG- well, that's what McGoldrick was doing. You know, in the last couple of games before the injury. And although, and although we talked about like Campbell having done it in the Premiership, out of him or if it was him or Eze, and we were spending twenty twenty five million, I'd go for Eze on the basis that I, I genuinely think he's more exciting. And I think that, like you say, that McGoldrick replacement thing, he'd be the one for me. He'd be the one that would really like blow my skirt up. I'm really surprised none of you. I know we talked about Bournemouth, but we've not really talked about Brooks. 
I mean, he'd be great, wouldn't he? But you've got it's interesting, books because the rumours of Man United for like forty-five million before he got injured and stuff. I was uh, going to say, I think, I think he's well, I think he's going to be well out of our well out of our budget. I would have thought I'm going to, they'll be asking for upwards of thirty for him, surely. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. But you, you know, it, is, is there a possibility with one of the Bournemouth players? It's whether we want to play a game like that where you get them on loan, yet if Bournemouth comes straight back up, it ensures them that we've got an agreement to buy in. There might be a bit of wheel of dealing like that. We don't, we, we don't know the, fa- the full financial impact of COVID-19 on football yet. Like, Chelsea are always going to do deals and sign like your Verners and they've signed, um, what's he called? Is it Zeke from Ajax? Adam Ziyech. Yeah, so they, they've, they've already bought, like Chelsea will always do deals like that. And uh, these, these rumours in there that sit here after Alba, uh, and from, is it Alba, Alba? I always get confused, the Bayern Munich left back. And these players like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. These, these, these talk of these club spending players, but by all accounts, Liverpool aren't. A Klopp saying that he's, he'd like Sancho, but he probably can't afford him if it's going to be ninety million and all this. It's, I think it's going to be quite interesting whether or not. What I don't see happening is a few summers ago when you've got like Everton chucking sixty million at Richarlison and thirty million at Iwobi. I don't think that level of transfer will be as inflated and it might be interesting who we're able to get as a result of that. I think you're right. I think a lot of teams will be fishing in a different pond. And it then it'll knock down as well. Yeah. Come up are probably going to be looking in a different level to what perhaps we were doing. Um I don't know, I just think it's going to be interesting. We did a couple last year, didn't we, of, of picking three each. Maybe we could do that towards the end of the season as things sort of start. Yeah, when, when the season's finished and things start to, to kind of crystallise a bit more, we could, uh, yeah, we could do that again, couldn't we? But it's, it's exciting, though, and uh, who knows what will happen. But you look, you look at that list of probably 20, 30 players we've just spoken about. Imagine us talking about... I know, I know one or two of them were, were fanciful, but you imagine us having this conversation four or five years ago and talking about, you know, your Eze's and your Calvin Phillips and your David you know, David Brooks and Callum Wilson's. It's, uh, it, it, you know, you, you wouldn't have given it out room, would you, that conversation? No. And what will be so great is there'll be such a short turnaround when the season's over that it'll all have to happen incredibly quickly as well. Yeah, yeah, there's been no resting on your laurels this summer. It's been straight out of one, straight into another, I think. Welcome back to the final part of this week's pod. Uh, as usual, we have our Hall of Fame, although last last week we had the um, Club 1867, where um, I think me wanting to put being called Sheffield into the Club 1867 one. I don't know how much it was by, but uh, there were some good nominations. And unfortunately, John, you're going to have to nominate Carboni and Decanio's pizza eating escapades another time. <laughs> 
So it's, uh, it's we're a travesty back. that I'll tell you. <laughs> we're back to positivity this week, and we're going to talk about uh, stuff we want to celebrate into our Hall of Fame. So, who wants to go first? Do you want to go down? Yeah, I'll go. I'm quite happy to go. Uh, mine's from last night, and it's it's uh, one of the videos the club put out this morning, and it's. Um, Tufty's little head nod as Egan as Egan puts the goal in last night, and you can see him. He's obviously he's he's kind of barking orders and arranging for the corner, and the corner comes in, and he kind of does a little step, and then just as Egan puts his head, in, you can see while his head just just jerked forward like involuntarily, and then obviously it's it back at net, and it was just it's <laughs> John held up a piece of paper that says Route One. I've been accused. They're going route one, um, but it's just it kind of arcs back to what we said before that basically Wilder's he's us he's us stood on the on the touchline, and that's you know that's I'm not sure I did an involuntary head nod last night, but as as Egan's kind of as Egan's jumping up to edit, you kind of going yep get in get in and you and you know for a fact that's exactly what Wilder's going through on the touchline. And I love the stress, like going up to the fourth official with the arms like that better fucking count. Like, <laughs> yeah. <look at> <laughs> Flips over, runs off, pulls his calf, then thinks shit comes back and does. Does that count? Does that count? But no, just just that little. We've all done it. When a corner comes in, you sound cop and you do that kind of little. Oh, get in. Um, so yeah, that my my nomination is the route one. Chris Wilder involuntary head nod. <laughs> and we've got next week's winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rightfully so. So, uh, John, I think you said you got one already as well. Yeah. So. Mine's a bit different, and it's um, it's sort of an appreciation. Uh, I think they've been nominated before, and if they are, it doesn't matter. I don't know if they got in, and if they got in, we'll put a different slant on that. Uh, we'll put a different slant on it, and it's something we struggled with um, as a group. And it's the fact that despite the shyness that was going on, that Blades Pod throughout this ridiculous football schedule have been committed to recording a podcast after every single day, not only a podcast, a good hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes, and a time when the majority of us are still working at home and still need something to fill his ears and things like that. And it's it's just that it's the hard, hard work of the lads at Blades Pod and the content they've managed to put out. And dare I say, in bleak times, they managed to have a bit more... Um, optimism than we did when we last spoke put it like that so it's it, it's the work in the lads at Blades Pod and well does that would be an odd to, to exhibit more optimism than we did at last pod but I, I, I take your point and I think I think uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to over the next couple of months when the season's done is maybe getting together with those boys uh, again having a beer and maybe doing doing some sort of special for everyone to listen to because it was it was great when we last got together for mid-season review so maybe we'll Ask the lads if they fancy doing an end of season review, and um, yeah, it's just the fact that they've kept up with the effort, and, and we've been a bit shit. So, well done, boys. Well, <laughs> keep up the good work. That's a really good shout. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a good shout. I think. Um, I mean, I, I don't think we've talked about it on air. Them getting nominated for an award as well, a, a, a Premier League podcast award against some pretty big hitters as well. Fair credit to them. I mean, second best podcast about Sheffield United, but still an excellent podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that, lads, I mean that we love. You know, I do. But yeah, the lads at Blades Pod, I think it's 
putting the stuff out, and we didn't want to, so we just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there you go. Ian? Um, do you want to get that bit of paper with Route 1 written on it up again? Um, it's going to be John Egan's header. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, Winning a football match. It's... It, I was I was wincing as Dan started because I thought we were going to do a, a rethink, but I want to stick with it. It was watching Wilder's celebration full stop last night and what it means. And the interview afterwards where he says, that's for 30,000 Blaze fans who can't be here doing that themselves. And it just brought back memories of, you know, oh, hang on, route one, route one, route one, coming up on the message, all right. Um, <laughs> it just brought back memories because of probably my favourite Wilder celebration is the one where he came running down the touchline and slid on the pitch. Oh, flex and call against Coventry. Flex against Coventry. Just what a moment, you know. It, yes, he's a fan. Yes, he's, he's one of us. But that, if I, if I saw, you know, seeing him last night, celebrating, thinking that could have been one of us. <laughs> For the benefit of the listeners, I'm now getting a, a route one arrow shown here on the pitch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the on, if you've not picked up on the narrative even though Ian's suggestions are always good there's always something one of us will always try to sabotage it for no particular reason we love Ian very much but it's just quite funny so sorry I, I think this is a great nomination by the way yeah I, 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 think, I think Wilder's I'm not sure if we've nominated Wilder in various guises before but like you say his his celebrations and 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 how he gets the fact that we're all, as much as we're enjoying it, we'd have rather been there last night, like we spoke about earlier on and, and before in, you know, before we started. He just gets it. He just gets the fans, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, and it's not just, you see some managers, yet yeah, they're out of the dugout and it's a fist in the air or whatever. Wilder's while charging 20 yards down the touchline. Finishing, finishing with a fist pump, giving it all this to nobody in that ground last night. <laughs> Now, when he's running down the touchline against against Coventry and sliding down the pitch, he's sliding down in front of like you know eight, nine, ten thousand on the cop, and he's taking you know, and, and he knows exactly. Well, I think he was in the heat at the moment. He said at the time, but he, he knows he's he's playing to a crowd. Whereas last night, he wasn't playing to a crowd. Yes, the camera's always on him as a manager, and it'll always get if there's something there, they'll broadcast it. But I think it just it just summed summed him up as a manager and what more can we want as fans to see our manager celebrating a goal or celebrating any goal in the way he does because it's not just that goal is it it's the way he celebrates any goal from United he's just one of us and you know he, you know he is with his reactions I'm sure if he went to another club he'd celebrate in similar fashions but because you know he's a blade it feels like he's, he's celebrating for us doesn't it yeah and that's, and that's the double edged sword unfortunately because you know at some stage sooner or later he is going to go to another club, whether it's, you know, I've seen Jamie O'Hara touting for Spurs job today or England. You know, we, we, we need to enjoy him while we've got him because if he carries on doing what he's doing with us, sooner or later, something, someone is going to come along with it with an offer from a club of the size that he just, he, he can't turn it down. Yeah. So we need to enjoy him while we've got him. The alchemist. Um, Great job. <laughs> I think, uh, Ian, it's, it's just that, that, that phrase said in all that for the 30,000 Blades fans who couldn't be here, that's who it was for. I think that I couldn't agree with it more. It, it, is, it, 
it was just it was just, last night was brilliant. It was a bit surreal watching it on TV, and I really and that's something I've struggled with because I watched it with Greg last night. I went around to my mate. I don't know why I'm telling the listeners this. It's you three know Greg is the listeners don't. But I went around Greg's and watched it, and he was like, "This must, that must have been really weird for somebody who goes to pretty much every game." And it it's such a different emotion, but that. Compared to like the Spurs goals and stuff, it just felt like a true moment. And then seeing that with Wilder, it, it did it, it did make the old heart swell, didn't it? Yeah, just a bit. Definitely. So um, I've changed mine. Mid- so as ever, there'll be a poll. Mid-decision. Uh, I've changed mine. I was going to go with um, this revelation that what Wolves are better second half. I, I didn't know whether anybody knew this, but apparently Wolves are better second half. I oh, was going to go with that. I've what? changed mine. What? Look um, at the stats for the last 70 minutes. 75 minutes. <laughs> 76 and a half minutes. <laughs> Brilliant, wasn't it? Um, so, based on the theme of the last two nominations, I'm going to go down the same kind of direction. Um I was thinking about this today and it's to do with the camaraderie around the club and the, the relationship between the players and the management of the club is just superb. And Wilder's interview after the game kind of highlighted that. I've talked about it earlier. A couple of things that he said during his interview, digging out Egan whilst he's being interviewed on TV, digging out the rest of the centre-halves whilst he's being interviewed on TV, calling Sander Berger, that big Norwegian geezer. It's just all that relationship that he forms around people. Now, I'm getting digged out for Rue <laughs> But it, it, and, and it's all... It, Wilder creates it. It's, it's this atmosphere that he creates and, and the persona that he gives off and, and everything about the guy, I just think he's great. But the, specifically, the, the camaraderie that he's, he's created around the club is just tremendous. He has done. He has done from minute one. You know, he's he's kind of taken a club that was on its not quite on its arse, but the relationship between the club and the fans, and the fans and the players, was uh, was as bad as I've ever known it. Um, and over time, with you know the right recruitment and the right bit of the right, excuse me, the right amount of carrot and the right amount of stick, he's got a you know he's got a proper a proper group of players here. The like, in fairness, the likes that we've not seen since since Bassett for me. You know, even even the Warnock side, this this side is, is more possible than the Warnock side. It's, no one from the Warnock side, apart from maybe Prime Jags, gets in this side. No, but even what I mean is even the you know even the camaraderie, even you know Warnock taking them to Scarborough and making Danny Cadamato run into the scene, he's under crackers and stuff like that. It's just it's not. You've still not got what we've got now. And I think you possibly have the under Bassett, which is obviously where Wilder's pulled a lot of his, a lot, a lot of what he does from. Um, but this is this side, this side, and this club, and this group, and the, the like you said, the atmosphere that he's created is is something special. It really is. It's, it's a once in a, it's a once in a generation thing. You know, we, we like we're just saying about Wilder now. We need to enjoy this thing because it's it's a once in a generation thing. I think. Totally agree. That was very passion on my behalf for Phil's nomination, apparently. I'm not quite sure what the fuck was that all about. Yeah, has he stopped being an advocate for someone else? I know, yeah. <laughs> so, you three have all nominated the same thing. Chris Wilder being wonderful. <laughs> well, I mean, fair. <laughs> it's... It, like, eventually, we're going to have a Wilder Hall of Fame and a four <laughs> blades in a pub Hall of Fame. Uh, 
we'd have to have some we'd have to put some rules and some criteria out next time. I think it's the first time Wilde has actually had a nomination like this. Yeah. I think it is in this in this way anyway. And we've all got a slightly different tinge on it as well, by the way, slightly different angle, but or if you uh, if you fancy uh, supporting the work of two hardworking family men who graft away at a podcast and uh, put it out there for us to all listen to. Yeah. <laughs> Even... That sounds like we've deliberately put Wilder in against Blade's pod today. <laughs> absolutely not the case. Selfish choice. <laughs> I'm not trying to start a feud across the Sheffield United podcast. Uh, uh, different Sheffield United podcasts, honestly. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> but if you were looking for the narrative that there was a feud brewing, I'd be checking uh, text messages exchanged between Dan, Phil and Ian. That's all I'm saying, Ben. Anyway. Well, <laughs> well b- before you go on, just talk about messages. On the on the group chat, Paul McDonald, contributor and friend of the pod, has put, <laughs> lads, I know you're busy right now, but I need to bring to your attention that it's 10 years since the Royal Motor Fair. Now, I can only think he's suggesting that, thinking one of us needed to bring some virtual chicken lager and a gun around for Dan after his rant last time. That's the only reason I can think he's telling us about that. To be fair, though, as, as a teetotaler, as Dan is, three cans of lager would be all right for us because yep. we'd all have a drink, Dan's not bothered. However, uh, that Gaza thing. I'll, I'll have the chicken that Gaza brought. I'll have the chicken drumsticks. You can have a can of lager each. Who's gonna, <laughs> are we going to share the rod? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, I digress. But it's quite all right. We're back to our jovial selves, I hope you can hear. I mean, we've mentioned Valmo. Ian said something slightly kinky. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we've got some positive predictions, but. It's been really good, boys. I enjoyed that a lot more than last time. Sorry, Walt. Yeah, that was, uh, as, as, as much as we lack a bit of catharsis when it don't go well, I'd much rather have a bit of uh, a bit of levity like this when it is going well. And uh, where are we all watching the game on Saturday? Not decided yet. I might come and join you, John. Well, we've only got a table for six, but you can stand in the beer garden. Oh, in other words, I'm not then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got. A second table, we're on the reserve list for a second table, but we can, apparently you're allowed to stand if you say you're with, with me, so that's good. I won't tell you where that is, because everyone will say, I'm with John in the gar- beer garden, and then everyone will be in there. <laughs> Look at the ego on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does your name carry that much weight in Sheffield, does it? <laughs> uh, no. I'm merely, I'm merely saying people might be looking for somewhere to watch the match, but I'm going to the pub, and I'm looking forward to it. Very much, and it'd be even better if Phil comes. Unless we all go and gatecrash Luke's uh, wedding anniversary, because we know where he's going. Yeah, so producer yeah. of the podcast, Luke, he's how many years married? He's a, wedding, a number of years married. Um, you can do so, it in. So I'm... <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> Nine. Uh, it, they're going out for a nice anniversary Blades match in a curry, so... Good luck to Luke and congratulations on many happy years and here's to many more. But where are you watching it in? Uh, maybe watch it at home or I might actually go around and watch it with my dad. Sounds which good. Would be a nice thing to do. No, you know, normally be at the match with him. So it'd be nice to go around and sit and sit and watch it with him. And Dan? Uh, front room for me. We're still, uh, we've still got another couple of weeks before we're all allowed out properly in our house. So it's, uh, it's front room again for me. Sounds good. But I hope you all enjoy it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you decide to watch it. And it's been really good to get back together, boys. Have a laugh. 
and celebrate the fact that our version of United's back. Yeah, and we're back. We're back. Yeah, we certainly are. Up the blades. Up the blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I'm Jason Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me, Murray, right? Well, I'll take Peroni as well. <laughs>